Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and reading today from a book entitled The Private Key to Heaven. It's written by Thomas Brooks, the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1680. This uh, private key to heaven features at the beginning of it 20 reasons why you should be praying privately. He's on number 15 right now. It's called Its Effect on Our Public Prayers. He that willingly neglects private prayer shall certainly be neglected in his public prayer. He that will not call upon God in secret shall find by sad experience that God will neither hear him nor regard him in public. The lack of private duties is the great reason why the hearts of many are so dead and dull, so formal and carnal, so barren and unfruitful under public ordinances. Oh, that Christians would seriously lay this to heart. Certainly that man or woman's heart is best in public who is most frequent in private. They make most yearnings in public ordinances that are most conscientiously exercised in closet duties. No man's graces rise so high, nor no man's experiences rise so high, nor no man's communion with God rises so high, nor no man's divine enjoyments rise so high, nor no man's springs of comfort rise so high, or his hopes rise so high, or his parts and gifts rise so high, as theirs do, who conscientiously wait upon God in their closets before they wait upon him in the assembly of his people, and who then, when they return from public ordinances, retire into their closets and look up to heaven for a blessing upon the public means. It is certain that private duties fit the soul for public ordinances. He that makes conscience to wait upon God in private shall find by experience that God will wonderfully bless public ordinances to him. My design is not to set up one ordinance of God above another, nor to cause one ordinance of God to clash with another, the public with the private, or the private with the public, but that every ordinance may have its proper place and right, the desires of my soul being to prize every ordinance and to praise every ordinance and to practice and to improve and to bless the Lord for every ordinance. But as ever you would see the beauty and glory of God in his sanctuary, as ever you would have public ordinances to be lovely and lively to your soul, or have your drooping spirits revived and your languishing souls refreshed and weak graces strengthened and strong corruptions weakened under public ordinances, be more careful and conscientious in the performance of closet duties. Oh, how strong in grace, how victorious over sin, how dead to the world, how alive to Christ, how fit to live, how prepared to die, might many a Christian have been, had they been but more frequent, serious, and conscientious in the discharge of closet duties. Not but that I think there is a truth in that saying of Bede, that the word church being rightly understood, that he that comes not willingly to church shall one day go unwillingly to hell.
Number 16 in the reasons why we want to have private prayer, the times we live in. Consider the times wherein we live call aloud for secret prayer. Hell seems to be broke loose and men turned into incarnate devils, land-destroying and soul-damning wickednesses walk up and down the streets with a whore's forehead without the least check or control. And Jeremiah says, Thou hast a whore's forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. They had sinned away shame instead of being ashamed of sin. Custom in sin had quite banished all sense of sin and all shame for sin, so that they would not allow nature to draw her veil of blushing before their great abominations. And they were like Caligula, the wicked emperor of Rome, who used to say of himself that he loved nothing better in himself than that he could not be ashamed. The same words are repeated in Jeremiah 8.12. I will leave the prudent reader to judge how applicable these scriptures are to the present time. But what doth the prophet do when they were as bold in sin and as shameless as so many harlots? That you may see in Jeremiah 13, it says, But if you will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places, or secrecies for your pride, and mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears. The Hebrew reads, Weeping weep, or shedding tears, shed tears. The doubling of the verb notes the bitter and grievous lamentation that he should make for them. Now they were grown up to that height of sin and wickedness that they were above all shame and blushing. Now they were grown so proud, so hardened, so obstinate, so rebellious, so mad upon mischief that no mercies could melt them or allure them nor no threatenings nor judgments could any way terrify them or stop them. The prophet goes into a corner. He retires himself into the most secret places, and there he weeps bitterly. There he weeps as if he were resolved to drown himself in his own tears. When the springs of sorrow rise high, a Christian turns his back upon company and retires himself into places of greatest privacy, that so he may the more freely and the more fully vent his sorrow and grief before the Lord. Ah, England, England, what pride, luxury, lasciviousness, licentiousness, wantonness, drunkenness, cruelties, injustice, oppressions, fornications, adulteries, falsehoods, hypocrisy, bribery, atheism, horrid blasphemies and hellish impieties are now to be found rampant in the midst of thee. England, ah, England, how are the Lord's Sabbaths profaned, pure ordinances despised, scriptures rejected, the spirit resisted and derided, the righteous reviled, wickedness countenanced, and Christ many thousand times in a day by these cursed practices afresh crucified. Ah, England, England, 
Were our forefathers alive, how sadly would they blush to see such a horrid, degenerate posterity as is to be found in the midst of thee? How is our forefathers' hospitality converted into riot and luxury, their frugality into pride and prodigality, their simplicity into subtlety, their sincerity into hypocrisy, their charity into cruelty? their chastity into chambering and wantonness, their sobriety into drunkenness, their plain dealing into dissembling, their works of compassion into works of oppression, their love to the people of God into an utter enmity against the people of God. And what is the voice of all these crying abominations? But every Christian to his closet, every Christian to his closet, there weep Bitterly with weeping Jeremiah for all these great abominations whereby God is dishonored openly. O oh, weep in secret for their shame and their sin, who openly glory in their sins, which should be their greatest shame. O oh, blush in secret for them that are past all blushing for their sins, for who knows but that the whole land may fare the better for the sakes of a few that are mourners, in secret. But however it goes with the nation, such as mourn in secret for the abominations of the times, may be confident that when sweeping judgments shall come upon the land, the Lord will hide them in the secret chambers of his providence. He will set a secret mark of deliverance upon their foreheads that mourn in secret for the crying sins of the present day, as he did upon theirs in Ezekiel 9. Number 17, as reasons that we need secret prayer. 20 reasons. Here's number 17. Your close relation with Christ. Consider that the near and dear relation that you stand into the Lord calls aloud for secret prayer. You are his friends. Now, a true friend loves to visit his friend when he may find him alone and enjoy privacy with him. A true friend loves to pour out his heart into the bosom of his friend when he has him in a corner or in the field or under a hedge. Well, you are his favorites. And what favorite is there that hides his secret from his prince? Do not all favorites open their hearts to their princes when they are alone? You are his children. And what ingenuous child is there that doth not delight to be much with his father when he is alone, when nobody is by. Oh, how free and open are children when they have their parents alone, beyond what they are when company is present. You are the spouse of Christ, and what spouse, what wife is there that does not love to be much with her husband when he is alone? True lovers are always best when they are most alone. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee, my loves. That's from Song of Solomon. The spouse of Christ is very desirous to enjoy his company in the fields that so, having her beloved alone, she might the more freely and the more secretly open her heart to him. 
as wives, when they are walking alone with their husbands in the fields, are more free to open their minds and the secrets of their heart than, than they are when in their houses with their children and servants about them, so it is with the spouse. Without all peradventure, they have very great cause to question whether they are Christ's real friends, real favorites, children, spouse, who seldom or never converse with Christ in their closets, who are shy of Christ when they are alone, who never accustom themselves to give Christ secret visits. Christ may say to very many in our days what Delilah said to Samson, How canst thou say I love thee when thou hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth? the discovery of which secret at last cost him his life. Well, how can you say you love me, Jesus says, when you never acquaint me with your secrets? How can you say you love me when you never bestow any private visits upon me? How can you say that you are my friends, my faithful friends, my bosom friends, when you never in private unbosom yourselves to me? How can you say that you are my favorites when you, you can spend one month after another and one quarter of a year after another and yet not let me know one of all your secrets when every day you might have my ear in secret if you pleased? How can you say that you are my children and yet be so close and reserved as you are? How can you say you are my spouse and that you lie in my bosom and you never, however, take any delight to open your hearts? your secrets to me when I am alone. What Alexander said to one that was of his name but a coward, he said, either lay down the name of Alexander or fight like Alexander. And that I say to you, either be frequent in closet duties as becomes a Christian or else lay down the name of a Christian. Either unbosom yourselves in secret to Christ as friends, favorites, children, spouses, or else lay down these names. Amen. We've got three more of those. 18, 19, 20, Lord willing, we'll do next time that we do, Mr. Brooks. Thank you for being with us today. Do look around the site. We've got 3,400 plus audios featuring some of the church's great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea in English and Korean, Bible studies on a number of subjects, and a blog. If you would like more fellowship than that, please consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com and I'll share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men and our Tuesday noon meeting for men and women. I know you're going to love those people when you come to those meetings. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosen and we're releasing this audio on the 24th of February, 2023. Lord willing, we will talk again real soon. Bye-bye.